0: Leadership is just one fuzzy area, one subjective decision after another.
1: Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey, it's great to have you back here on the Inspiring Leaders show, the podcast that helps you become a better leader. Welcome aboard. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and we have a unique show and perspectives to share with you today, particularly if you're a new leader or if you have new leaders joining you. I want to share with you that I've been working with organizational leaders for a few years now, but typically at the senior levels. And while I've enjoyed that, it's always occurred to me that the people who most need some help with leadership perspectives and best practices are the brand new leaders. The ones who have just made the transition from individual contributor to supervisor or team lead. This makes me think of the first leadership role that I ever worked in, and it seems to me that there would have been many things that I should have been asking about, but I didn't even know enough to ask. I had to learn the hard way which took a lot more time than it should have, and I'm sure that my original direct reports would have appreciated it if I had the opportunity to work with the coach while onboarding. Well, that's why I was so impressed with the work that our guest today has been doing with her coaching practice. Grace Judson is a leadership coach and a consultant based in Arkansas, and she's dedicated her practice and her expertise to helping exactly this population. People who are new leaders and supervisors responsible for the success of a group of frontline employees for the very first time. Grace Judson, welcome to Inspiring Leaders. So good to have you with us here today.
0: Thank you, Terry. I am delighted to be here. This is going to be fun.
1: Well, you're coming through loud and clear from Arkansas. But listen, before we get deep into this discussion, I have an opening question that I'd love to ask you. Is that okay with you?
0: Of course.
1: Who or what inspires Grace Judson?
0: Ah, great question. Really, it comes down to the leaders who have essentially gone against the norm, leaders who've had the courage and maybe even the audacity to be authentic about who they are and what they take a stand for. I can think specifically of women like Admiral Grace Hopper, who was one of the first senior officers in the military. I mean, of course, she shares my first name.
1: (laughs) That means she's great. (laughs)
0: But she also was central in the development of some of the early COBOL compilers and computer programming processes. And of course, I grew up in programming, so that gives her a double win. But there are just so many leaders that we see without going into many of them showing up in politics today who are taking a stand against the norm, who are going out on a limb to be who they are and they take a stand for
1: what they believe in. Wow, what a great answer. I love the way that you've selected people who stand out. I like the fact that you've selected women leaders as well. I had a comment a little while back from one of the guests on the show saying they really admired the fact that we've had so many women leaders on here. It's funny because it wasn't by design. Mm. It just happens to be people that I really respect that are out there in the community either helping leaders or leading themselves. I guess maybe it's just based on the example that I'm seeing. There are a lot of fabulous lady leaders out there. I think that they deserve the credit that they should be having.
0: Obviously, I couldn't agree more. And I think that what we're seeing in many ways, despite the imbalance, if you just look at the numbers of leaders within, certainly in the C-suite and so on, I think we're starting to become more and more aware that women bring something a little different to leadership. That is valuable and that's worth
1: having. I couldn't agree more. And it's something that I have a deep amount of respect for. Well, as I said to you before, Grace, it's always struck me that talent management and organizational development budgets in most organizations seem to go to those senior leaders. And yet it's the new leaders that really seem to be in a position to want and need that guidance and perspective the most. And after all, new leaders are responsible for a huge percent of the, well, let's call it the frontline employees in almost any organization. So I think it's a pretty critical stage of development as employees are making that transition from individual contributor to supervisor or manager. And yet it's exactly that middle group that isn't getting the attention they deserve. I think that they are either expected to sink or swim in a lot of situations, which is too bad. You and I both know that in most organizations out there, the people who quit are actually leaving their managers. So this is a huge opportunity for most organizations. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Absolutely. The statistics show that 60% of new leaders fail in their first year. I just find that tragic for the individual. Certainly it's tragic. It's also tragic for the organization, and it's ridiculously expensive, too, because As you say, when somebody leaves their manager, so you not only have the question of this individual who has done well up until now, or they wouldn't have been promoted into that leadership role, yet now, because being a leader and a manager is a very different thing than being an individual contributor, they are stuck in a situation where they don't know. As you said earlier, when you made that transition, like what? in the world is going on. Yeah. And certainly I remember from my own career, I was 16 years in executive leadership and that first project manager and then on into higher levels of leadership, those first roles I was like baffled in many ways. And the cost to the company of having a manager fail in that leadership role is tremendous because it goes beyond just that one individual. It also goes to the potential for their employees, their teams, to become disengaged and therefore less productive and potentially leave, as you say, you know, the statistics show over and over again that people leave managers, not jobs. So it's a ridiculously expensive and tragic problem, and it's so easy to solve.
1: This is something that we've referred to many times on the show as that ripple effect of leadership. Whether it's positive or negative, the number of people that could potentially be impacted, be it direct reports, peers and colleagues, or customers, stakeholders of almost any shape or form, are going to be impacted.
0: The ripple effect is exactly the right term for it because we know that these frontline managers, who are typically the new managers, are the ones who most directly impact the majority of the organization's employees. Typically, the higher up on the management and leadership food chain you get, the more you just have other leaders reporting to you rather than those individual contributors. And so they have the greatest impact and they are also the least educated in the skills that they need to make that transition.
1: Not knowing where to start is really a pretty challenging thing. Grace, what I'm really curious about here is where do you typically start? And what do you think would be involvement that you have with people that gets the biggest bang out there?
0: Oh, what a great question. I want to circle back to what you said.
1: Of, of course, yeah.
0: I think that what you were saying there about not knowing who to ask is a huge part of the problem. But there's another piece of it too, which is that people come in. And they don't want to act because they feel as if they are, quote-unquote, supposed to already know. They feel like, here I am, I'm in this leadership role, I've been promoted to it, therefore I must know how to do it. As an individual contributor, we are typically promoted into a role that we are already doing. But as a new manager and leader, it's a whole new ballgame. And we haven't usually been doing much, if any, of those type of tasks or holding that type of responsibility. You're in this position. You can't ask the people who were your peers because they don't know. Plus, now you're probably meeting some of them. And you feel really weird about asking your new peers because you don't want to come off looking like you don't know what you're doing.
1: we got a new leader catch-22 here.
0: And so when you ask how I start with somebody, it actually comes down to that foundational question of who am I as a leader? What is my style going to be? How am I going to show up as a leader? And then how do I learn how to manage that inner critic voice that's saying, you're a fraud. You don't belong in this role. You don't know what you're doing and you're going to fail.
1: Oh, the imposter syndrome is way too common among new leaders for sure.
0: Yes. And so when I'm working with somebody, like I say, the first thing I do is I, I look at values because One of the things I say all the time is that leadership is nothing but a constantly evolving gray area.
1: (laughs) I like that.
0: (laughs) Individual contribution tends to be fairly black and white. You have a task, you have a deadline, you go out and you do it. Right. Obviously, there are some gray areas in there, but it's much more black and white. Leadership is just one fuzzy area, one subjective decision after another. And if you're going to make those kinds of decisions with any sense of confidence, you have to know what your values are, you have to know what your organizational values, what the values of the company you're working for are, and you have to understand strategy. And then when you have that, you can start to look at that question of the imposter syndrome or broad factor or, you know, I call it the rotten tomato fight in your head. (laughs) <laughs>
1: right yeah that's very powerful it's like giving people a compass in order to help guide them a little bit more rather than telling them what the answers are because the answers are going to be dependent on the situation that they face and even then it's going to be felt with a lot of what you described as that gray area
0: exactly and yet people are typically not prepared for that and because they're in a new role They're quaking in their boots going, "Wow, how do I make the quote unquote right decision? Yeah. And in so many of these cases, like I said, it's not black and white.
1: People are challenged and so they meet with you. How many coaching sessions would you typically work through with, let's say, a new leader or a supervisor out there?
0: Well, I actually have a program that is a combination of video teaching modules because I'm sure you're aware Oftentimes, we are essentially repeating the same thing with different clients There's a common thread. So I have a series of eight teaching modules that has videos. Some of them have multiple videos, handouts, exercises, practices, so that they can actually learn how, you know, guided practice, so they learn how to implement the material. And then there are coaching sessions that go along with it. The thing actually lasts a full 10 weeks. And without the coaching, you know, their leadership skills are teachable, but actually using them, implementing them in the individual subjective workplace is practical hands-on work that requires help in order to understand how to do it. I think we've probably all experienced the after you go to a workshop or a class and you get back to your desk and it's like, oh, I thought I understood this how do I implement this again?
1: (laughs) I like the approach using the videos because there are some sort of repetitive concepts or perspectives that you can get across quite easily. And it also gives that person an opportunity to ease into that learning role at their own pace as well, I would think.
0: Yeah, and they can go back and watch the video as many times as they want to. They have the handouts that guide them with specific practices and I happen to be a fan of what I call writing to discover. So there are some journaling practices that people can really dig into these questions of, like I said earlier, in the initial stages, what are the values that you hold? What are the organizational values? And then when we get later into questions of communication, how do you identify communication styles for the people that you work with and so on.
1: This sounds like a great approach I would anticipate that most of the people that get involved as participants in this program, they're probably pretty eager to learn. But I'm wondering, Grace, do you ever have people that get involved in this program and their attitude is, I know all this stuff, and they just don't want to go through it?
0: Well, frankly, I don't take them on as clients. That's the (laughs) short answer. We talk before they sign up, and it is a one-on-one program. I anticipate, ultimately, I will probably offer it as a group program, but for right now, it is one-on-one, and I really do make sure that when someone signs up, I don't want people who are going to waste their money or their company's money.
1: I've come across organizations lately that have been asking a lot about coaching circles. I'm wondering, have you ever worked with coaching circles, or do you see an application at all for this?
0: I have. Done group coaching, but I'm not sure how you're defining coaching circles. But I would define it like a mastermind or a facilitated mastermind. Is that how you're defining it?
1: And that's how I understand it as well, where you've got a group of people in that are sort of at a similar point but coming from different perspectives, and then they sort of take turns, where one person will come to the table and say, Here's a project that I'm working on, or Here's a, a problem that I'm trying to overcome, and then after describing it for a while, the group will chime in and say, well, here's my two cents on it. Mm-hmm. And then they rotate that to what we call the hot seat every month. Mm-hmm. And everybody gets a chance for helping others and also to be helped themselves.
0: I think that's a great approach. And I will say that I will caveat that statement that it has to be effectively facilitated. Everybody has to understand the ground rules because I have also seen that go awry when those factors are not
1: in place. I think the problem that I foresee with coaching circles and mastermind groups for likening both of those together is that people still have that hesitation, like we talked about with new leaders, where they don't want to admit some of their shortcomings or things that they don't know, Mm -hmm. or maybe even a challenge that they have for fear of not looking strong to their peers. Yeah. And I think that's where the power of the coaching that you do really comes in handy.
0: Thank you. Yes, I agree. And I think one of the keys to making that kind of thing work really lies in not having the group be coworkers. I know that a lot of organizations like to put cohorts through this kind of program. Right. I would really only agree with that if there was individual coaching one-on-one as part of the program. Because I do think that the learning is enhanced only when people feel safe enough to say, you know what, I have this problem, I feel really weird about it, but I have this problem that I'm running into, and can get support in a way that it doesn't exacerbate the fraud factor and imposter syndrome.
1: I want to throw a little unique example in here, because I think I can illustrate the point that you're just making quite well. So you've got a new supervisor in. That supervisor is reporting to, let's say, a senior manager. And they go into uh, one of these coaching circles with their peers, other supervisors, and they say, I just can't stand my senior manager. <laughs> now they're at risk, right? Because now they've let that out to the group that they work with. Yeah. Point taken, it works really well when you've got people coming in from other organizations or uh, groups that are somehow removed. But I think the best way of dealing with it, and based on my experience of watching many, many different groups and one-to-one coaching, that independent perspective from an outside coach is really an incredibly valuable thing. And I think that that's where you get people saying, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and I'm going to admit some things that are truly holding me back. Or maybe the coach digs them out and works with people through some very effective, skillful questioning and exploration in my estimation that's where you bring the great value to the table grace
0: thank you i appreciate that part of the skill that i have in coaching is first off people throughout my career i mean going back to when i was a child people tell me stuff so apparently i am instinctively trustworthy then too through my experience in coaching I have really learned to read between the lines and under the lines and around the lines of what people are saying to be able to say, hey, I'm getting a sense that there's something going on here. I'm getting a sense that X, Y, Z might be going on for you. Right. Does that, does that resonate? Does that land? Is that true? And so I do get people willing to talk to me about this. Yeah. And so that's the only way, as the saying goes, you got to see it to heal it. And that's the only way to get at the issues and to really work through them and resolve
1: them. So being an effective coach, I'm hearing, has a lot to do with being very much in tune with your intuition.
0: For me, yes. Uh, I'm sure there are other coaches for whom that is not necessarily true, but certainly that, that has been true and is true for me.
1: Well, I would say it's true for me as well. You and I are working with some different populations in some respects, probably very similar populations in some circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I think that the perspectives and the recommendations that you bring to the table for new leaders, it's absolutely fascinating and very, very good to hear. So I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us a little bit about this. But listen, before I let you get going here, I have a couple more questions for you, if that's all right. Sure. I can't think of somebody who's better to answer this question than you. What challenges do you see facing a lot of today's leaders out there?
0: (laughs) I think we're We're
1: going right to the heart of the matter, asking you this question, yeah,
0: I think when it comes to the leaders that I am hopefully preparing, in other words, the senior leaders, the ones that you work with primarily, I really think it's bench strength. We all know that everything is changing, so of course, disruption, globalization, all of that. but I think that without a strong bench strength for leaders, the Promoted from, I'll say, the organization is really going to struggle. And in this environment of globalization, disruption, et cetera, et cetera, and constant accelerating change, if you don't have that strong bench strength to draw on, you're really going to struggle.
1: I'm glad you said this. Every organization that I go into, I'm hearing the same thing. The HR vice presidents and CHROs they're all saying succession planning is right at the absolute top of their priorities because they've got all these baby boomers that are retiring and they've got all these people with experience that are either moving on or taking on different responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you brought this up, but you said that there's something else too, did you?
0: There are a lot of statistics out there about how hiring from outside is either good or bad. And and you can really look at Reasons why it's good and reasons why it's bad. And when everything around the organization is in this swirling change mode, I think there is a lot to be said for having people who understand the organization, understand the values, the vision, the mission, all of that. And we could probably have another entire conversation on the importance of having a good vision and mission.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: (laughs) Not just pretty posters on the wall, uh, but to have people who are coming from inside the organization, which is that bench strength that we're talking about, when there is this much change going on outside.
1: This is kind of a good segue into the last question that I wanted to ask you. Okay. Uh, what does inspired leadership mean to you, Grace?
0: To me, it means the capacity and the courage to be yourself as a leader. And that's why I start with that when I work with people. Self-awareness and authenticity as a leader, along with all the other skills and understanding that you need to be a good leader. But I think it's that sense of who somebody is and being able to be the leader that they are rather than trying to be something else. And then that inspires others, whether it's their peers or even their management, but certainly their teams, to bring their own unique and best selves into the workplace.
1: It sounds to me like what you're describing is a broad base perspective rather than a situational perspective. I love that. I think that when you take that kind of a perspective, you're actually preparing leaders for any circumstance that could come along. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I think that that's the kind of perspective that we truly want to bring forward to our audience. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Inspiring Leaders Grace. I'm going to put the links to you on LinkedIn, your website, the links to your books. All of that's going to be in the show notes so our audience can reach out to you. How does that sound?
0: That sounds great. I would love to hear from anybody who is interested in whatever questions they may have to ask. I love answering questions. So
1: Thank you so much for being here. There you have it, folks. Another great interview with another highly inspiring leader. We hope that this resonates with you and that you've gained some insights from this show. Check us out next week when we're back to talk to another great leader from around the world to help you become a more inspiring leader. Don't miss it. Subscribe today. Thanks, everybody, and bye for now.